Good morning. If you have your Bible, uh, open where you did last week. Open first to the map in the back of your Bible. Open first to the maps, and you can mark that if you want to, or I'll have one on the screen in a minute if you don't. Uh, and then open to Acts chapter 13. And the map you're looking for is the one of Paul's missionary journeys. If you want to look there. Before we begin, I want to, uh, I want to commend the church uh, on the challenge that I issued last, win- uh, last Sunday. Remember, as we were reading about the first missionary journey and it was getting ready to begin, we saw that the church there at Antioch, what they did was they spent a lot of time praying and they spent a lot of time fasting. And we talked about how, you know, we're, we're good at one of those, but we don't spend a whole lot of time doing the other one, and that's, you know, fasting. And so I issued you this challenge to fast on Wednesday and to be mindful of, of the church and ask for God's blessing. And Glennis had a special request that we would be with her as she's getting ready to, to go to, to England. And she has a mission that she's carrying with her, and that's to, to be the light and to be Jesus to the people that she comes in contact with as she uh, interacts with her family and her friends that, that live there. And I was really overwhelmed by the response from our, our fast day challenge. Uh, several, several people participated. And then Wednesday night as we gathered and I heard just the different responses of, of what your day was like and the things that were on your mind. And over and over and over again, it was about, you know, I, I was focused on the church. I was more mindful of people. I was more patient. And some of you, you had some issues to deal with throughout the day. And yet you didn't let that deter you. And so, you know, I, I just think that was such a great thing as a matter of fact, we've had people say since then, we need to do this more often. We need to fast again. Uh, as a matter of fact, around the table, we had a suggestion of how we might fast uh, coming up and, and later on in the year, and I'll let you know about that maybe here in, uh, in just a minute. But I just wanted to say, hey, great job with that. Thank you for all of you who, uh, who participated or who could participate. And if you didn't get a chance to do it on this one, you don't have to wait till we do it. You know, you can fast anytime you want to. Uh, just do it. Be focused on God. Give something up. And every time you think about that thing or have that craving, you know, take that to God. Uh, but thank you again. It was great. That's a great spiritual discipline for, uh, for everybody who is a, a follower of Christ to practice. So very good. Well, so last week, last week as we, we looked at the message, we started, or we looked at the text, we looked at Paul's first missionary journey. They're gathered in Antioch, which is sort of becoming and going to become a a major player of the churches, of the early church. A lot of stuff is going to happen out of Antioch. You know, it's not going to so much focus as much on Jerusalem. You know, the first missionary journey gets launched out of this church as they're praying together and as they are as they're fasting together, and the Holy Spirit says, "Set across, uh, set apart Saul or Paul and Barnabas, and going to send them out to do great work for me." And so the 
church does. They lay hands on them, they pray, they continue to fast, and they, they send them out. And so we spent, uh, we spent our week last Sunday talking about that, that first missionary journey. Well, um, in my years of ministry, I have had the opportunity to, uh, to participate on some mission trips. Uh, most of them have been domestic mission, mission trips, although I do have a couple of foreign mission trips under my belt. One in particular came in 1995 when I was a freshman in high school. I got to go to Donetsk, Ukraine. I'm the handsome one there in the middle. And what we did is we went to the Ukraine, and we, we had to be, you know, a little covert about it, not a whole lot. We didn't just go and just start preaching. Uh, we went primarily into schools, and we used the Bible in order to teach English. Does that make sense? We sort of used the Bible as our textbook. Uh, and, and we did go to visit the church that had already been established there in, in Donetsk. And uh, this is the, uh, the preacher here. His name is Philip. I'm there in the middle, and this is like uh, Dave Sputnik. Um, I don't remember his name. But he was one of the, he was, a, he was the translator for us for the day while we were there. And so we encouraged the church there. And uh, they didn't let me, they didn't let me teach. Because rule number one is don't let a freshman Bible major teach or preach. That's just rule number one. Okay, that's a good rule to keep in mind. So what I did, my job was to go and to, uh, to help my cousin teach some songs. Uh, about Jesus, and that's how we did. That's what we did. We went over there, and we uh, we uh, we strengthened the churches, and we you know visited the people, and they were so hospitable. And we went to a couple of different schools, and we'd go to different homes, and a uh, couple of different churches, and it was just really, really a uh, uh, a great trip. You know, but a lot of times you think of a, a foreign mission field, and I think a lot of times why people might be a little bit hesitant to do something like that is one, because that's, that's a pretty big scope. You know, that's a pretty big thing to travel to a, another place where you don't know necessarily the, you may not know the language, you may not know the, the region, you don't know the customs, you know, and it's just very unfamiliar territory. But then to go and do that with a message of Jesus can seem a little bit daunting. And of course, it always seems like the trips that get the most ink or the most coverage are when something goes wrong. You know, when something goes bad. Remember the Ebola outbreak a few years ago. That was a guy that was on a mission trip. Okay, He was a, he was a doctor, and he contracted Ebola by treating patients. And so that's the ones that we sort, of, we sort of hear about. Or other times you'll hear about great persecution. And there have been some tremendous persecution that have come about on, on people as they went and they tried to share the gospel with people who have never heard it or who were not interested, interested in it. Now then, in all the mission trips that I ever participated on, and, and five of those were to New York, you know, I never really experienced anything, anything like that. Okay, I didn't experience any oppression. I didn't experience any persecution. The only couple of things that, that might be somewhat close to that is when we arrived in Kiev, Ukraine. You know, it's cold. I got this jacket on. It's got lots of, you know, zippers and metal buttons and all of this thing. And we're going through the metal detector, and they didn't tell me to take it off. And, you know, I hadn't flown in years until that point. 
And so I didn't think about it. I went through it, and that thing lit up. You know, that thing lit up like it was Christmas, and the next thing you know, I'm face against the wall with five Ukrainian police officers surrounding me that are holding AK-47s. I had to find my suitcase, if you know what I mean, after that. Okay? Uh, uh, or, you know, on the, on the way back home, you know, we're flying home. It was a long flight over there, and we're in one of those just big, massive planes, and I'm in the, I'm in the middle aisle of the plane. And I've got like three people this way and three this way, and I'm crammed in there. And it's like six, seven hours from Detroit to Amsterdam, and it's the middle of the night, and it's hot, and so I'm just crammed. But on the way back, I got a window seat, and it was awesome. It was this beautiful morning as we took off uh, uh, out of Amsterdam, flying back to Detroit. And I've got the shade up, and I'm looking out, and it's just beautiful. And there's a guy that's sitting in front of me. He's, uh, he's Middle Eastern. Uh, and I'm just out here looking, I'm just enjoying the day, and he reaches back and shuts my shade. So I let it back up. And he reached back and shut it, and I let it back up, and that went on for 10 minutes or so, and he's saying stuff to me, and I'm saying stuff to him, and we have no idea what we're saying in passing. But those are, those are the only two real things that I can point to. And it's really poor to say that is any kind of oppression because they are not oppression. That was not persecution. That was Ukrainian police doing their job and that was me irritating this poor old guy who's probably been on a long business trip and all he wants to do is sleep and he's got some punk 19-year-old who won't let the shade down so he can get some rest so he can go back home and tend to his family and go back and do, uh, get back out on the road again. But that's, that's really it. You know, in, in college I had one, uh, we were on this, this evangelistic campaign, and we were at a restaurant, our team was at a, this restaurant, and the team leader said, saw, we saw these two, uh, three young businesswomen come in and sit down, and our team leader said, you know, I wonder if they go to church anywhere, or you know, something like that, and I either got nominated or volunteered, I don't remember, but I ended up going over to their table, and I was going to, to try to strike up this conversation with them about church and about Jesus. And, you know, if you've ever tried to do that, it's not an easy thing to do. I don't care what anybody tells you. That's not an easy thing just to conjure that out of, out of thin air. But, I, you know, I start doing it, and very quickly, you know, she just puts a hand up, and she says, look, we don't have time for what you're saying. We're not interested in that. Thank you. You know, you know and, you know, I felt the rejection of that. But to say that that was any kind of persecution would be to really stretch the word but a lot of times that's what we kind of think of as, as being persecuted for the gospel right you know I'm contending for the faith yes I'm being I'm a martyr you know we build our build those kind of experiences into into more than than what they are but as we get into the rest of this missionary journey we're going to see that Paul and Barnabas experienced far more than, than what we have experienced. And hopefully we can find some, some encouragement from, from, from their journey. So they take off, they take off uh, last week, as we saw from, uh, from Antioch, is where the church is, and they go down to the port of Seleucia, and they sailed to, to Cyprus. And remember, this is the island where Barnabas is from. And so they land at Salamis and then work their way over, uh, work their way over to Paphos, and remember, that's where they had the encounter with the Jewish sorcerer, Elamus. 
Okay, and uh, you know, Paul puts him kind of in his place, says quit perverting the gospel, quit hurting the gospel, and then he's blinded for a time period. But then there's the proconsul who the sorcerer kind of works with, and he, it says he starts believing. He starts to believe in, in Jesus. And that's where we kind of left off last week saying that, that, that the proconsul was astonished at what was going on. He wasn't astonished because of this, really this act of judgment that was brought upon Elamus. He's astonished at the, the teaching of the Lord. So then, they set off again. And you see, they set sail uh, over to the, to the north and to the west, and they land at Perga, and they begin working their way up into here, up into to Galatia, up, in, up around Antioch. And that's not Antioch where they left from. This is Antioch of Poseidon, or Pisidian Antioch is how your text might read. And so, and so that's where we are. That's where we are when we pick up the text this morning. Look at verse 13 of chapter 13. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, and they came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Remember last week? We talked about John Mark very briefly. This is the guy who is later going to, to author the book of Mark. And this is going to cause a big problem between Paul and Silas later on in the book over this event right here. For whatever reason, he's had enough. I don't know if he didn't want to be there, didn't like what was going on, but he, he leaves and heads back home to Jerusalem. But verse 14 says, They continued their journey from Perga and reached Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and they sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leader of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, you can speak. And so Paul does this. He takes the opportunity to speak and he basically recounts the story of God for them. He goes all the way back. You know, he calls them Israelites and he reminds them of their history and what God has done to them, done for them as he called them out of Egypt. And he gave, as he gave them this, this promised land after their wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. How he set up the judges over them until finally the people wanted a king and so they gave him King Saul and he wasn't a great king. But then there was King David, the greatest king in, in Israel's history, the one that everybody looks to, the one who one day would, would be restored. But he keeps moving on until he, he talks about John the Baptist and then he eventually talks about Jesus. This is the man who he has come to talk about. This is why he is here, to proclaim the message of Jesus. Verse 28, it says, he's talking about Jesus and they're putting him to death. He says, they found no grounds for the death sentence, that they asked, but they asked Pilate to have him killed. And when they carried all that that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead and he appeared for many days to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses to the people, and we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. 
This is the message that they came to give them. Now remember, before, before Paul becomes a Christian, his preaching would be a whole lot different. It would be based on law, law-keeping, ritual, rites, washing, feasts, ceremonies. That's what it was about because he was a very devout and a very good Jew. But as you see right here, he still got the story, but now he sees and he understands the story of God through a, through a Christotelic, there's a big word, a Christotelic lens. In other words, he reads his scriptures now with the end focused on Jesus. Does that make sense? That everything that has come before this point, everything in the Old Testament is focused on and driving toward Jesus. And now he's met Jesus and he's commissioned to, by the Holy Spirit to go back and, and talk about Jesus. And so this is what he's doing here at, at Antioch of Pisidian. And so they gets up and he talks about it and it goes so well. Now then watch verse, uh, watch verse 42. It says, as they were leaving, the people urged them to speak about these matters the following Sabbath. That's a pretty good day, is it not? I've never been anywhere in my 20 plus years of preaching I've never been anywhere and preached and said, hey man, that's good. Come back next week. Okay, now you guys don't count, because, you know, that doesn't count. You, you, I mean, you want to boil it down, I'm paid to be here. You expect me to be here. But I've never been a guest speaker anywhere, and I thought, wow, that was so good. You, you really need to come back next week, you know. But this is, this is what happens here in, in Antioch of Poseidon. They say, come back. We want to know more. We want to hear more about this. You know, things, they start out good, and he tells them about Jesus, and he tells them that this, this forgiveness from Jesus is available to all who believe. They try to leave, and they say, no, stay. We want to, we want to hear more. We want to hear more about what you have to say. And so they stay. They come back the, the next day, uh, the next Sabbath. And it says in verse 44, it says, the whole, the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But now then notice verse 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they're filled with what? Jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying insulting them. Now, I don't know what happened between week one and, and week two, but evidently some of the more devout Jews that didn't want to hear anything about Jesus, that didn't believe in Jesus, that were more along the lines of the theology that Paul touted and believed and preached and practiced before he met Jesus show up here and they hear what he is saying and they begin to contradict him they're filled with jealousy at what has happened and then they begin insulting him now then there's there's a point that we need to make if you ever find yourself in a disagreement with someone and you have to result uh, you you have to resort to insult You've lost, okay? You've lost. Don't even try. Don't even try. Give up right then. 
because you've got nothing. You've got nothing to stand on if it's just insults. But how many times do our arguments go straight to insults? You know, all you have to do is spend 10 minutes on social media. Read a political post. Oh, my word. Can we not disagree and still get along? It's like if you don't agree with me, well, I hate you. You're an idiot. Wow, I didn't realize I had to agree with everything that you agree with. As followers of Christ, this must be especially true of us. We need to be mindful of the things that we say, and we're going to come across people we disagree with, right? There are people in this room right now that you disagree with. Hey, look at it. And the laughter just shows that we're all in agreement on that. Right? That was the best amen we've ever had in here. But if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we have to learn to disagree and still love each other. Okay? Because not all of us believe the same way. Not all of us believe the same way politically. Not all of us believe the same way about the Bible. The point is we have to think the best of other people. Okay? So let's make sure we don't just delve into and reduced down into to insults because that's, that's what they do here. Okay, and the quickest way to hurt a strong witness is to start insulting somebody for something that they believe differently than we believe. We have to keep that in mind that our goal is to always present this, this strong witness. But it says the crowds, they start turning on him. 46 says, both Paul and Silas boldly replied, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you reject it, judge yourselves unworthy, of eternal life, we're turning, to, we're turning to the Gentiles. Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced. Over at verse 40, 49 says, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Now then watch what happens in verse 50. But the Jews incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. What's the yellow say? They stirred up what? Persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district that's quite different from the week before the week before it's like this is great this is so exciting come back tell us more about this tell us more about Jesus and then the next week they're kicked out of town they're expelled from the region for 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 sharing the gospel Fifty-one says, but Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they, they get to Iconium. And again, they go into the, uh, the Jewish synagogue as usual. And it says they begin speaking in, in, in such a way that the Jews and the Greeks believe but a lot of unbelieving Jews are there and they start stirring up the Gentiles and it says they poisoned their minds and verse 3 says so they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord now then a couple of versions say 
They stayed there for a long time and spoke boldly in reliance on the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided. Some were with the Jews, some with the apostles. And then notice verse 5 through 7. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to what? Mistreat and stone them. They found out about it. They fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding countryside. And then notice what it says right here at the end of verse 7. There they continued preaching the gospel. Think about that. They're in Antioch. Things go pretty well. Then all of a sudden it turns bad and they are chased out of town. They're kicked out of town. Don't come back. We don't want you here. They go to Iconium, these towns of Lystra and Derby, and it goes from, from bad to worse. It says the people there chose to, I mean, they made a decision. They made a decision to mistreat them, to try to stone them to death. They hear about it. They get out of town. They go to another place. They continue preaching the gospel. Even under threat of death, they continue to trust and, and rely on the Lord, and they continue, they continue preaching the gospel. Now then, it would have been so easy to turn back at this point, right? I mean, you've been expelled from a city. Okay, you have people turning on you left and right. Uh, you find out that there's a hit put out on your life. It might be fairly easy to, con to conclude, you know, maybe this wasn't God's plan. You know, maybe we were just hungry the day we thought the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. It would be very easy to say, hey, you know what, it's just too dangerous out here. Just not going to do this. We're going to just, you know, we're going we're gonna to cool it a little bit. But they didn't do that. They continued on in their faith. They continued on relying on God. They continued preaching the gospel. So they go into, uh, into Lystra. And as they get there, there's a man who is lame. He can't walk from birth. You know, it kind of reminds you of some of the stories that, uh, of Jesus, how he encountered people like this. It says he listened as, as Paul was speaking, and, and, and Paul heals him. Stand up. God jumps up and begins to, to walk around. It's incredible because that's kind of what we've read about. You know, Peter and, and John were doing miracles like this. Jesus healed people like this. Here is, here is Paul. He's preaching and, and this miracle is done. And the people are rejoicing and they say, this is great. Gods have come to visit us. And they say, praise Zeus and Hermes. Because that's who they think has come to visit them. They think Barnabas is Zeus and they think Paul is Hermes because he does all the talking and Hermes was the, the messenger God. And they start trying to make sacrifices to them. And you can imagine Barnabas and Paul going, but, but man, boy, we missed some step here. <laughs> you know, did you not read the tracks we passed out before we got here? That's not right. 
you know, they, they're, they're trying to, to make these, these sacrifices to him. And Paul in verse 15 says, people, what are you doing? We are people just like you, and we are proclaiming the good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and, and everything in them. And then what happens is that some Jews came from Antioch and Iconum. Great, glad they're here. When they saw the crowds, they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. They didn't get him in Iconium. They got him in Lystra. They stone him. They drag him out of the city. They throw him out there because he's dead. That's, that's interesting to me. This is interesting that this happens. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I preached a message called Faithful Deliverance. And if you remember, Paul is, is writing to Timothy in his old age, and you know he's, his life is done. He tells Timothy, he says, you know, uh, my life's being poured out like a drink off. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have, I have kept the faith, and I know that there's a crown of righteousness that's, that's waiting for me, and it's not just for me, but it's for all those who, who, who believe. You know, as I think about that message and as we wrestled with, you know, why God spared Peter and not James, and I think about Paul's life and I think about this. I mean, he's being stoned. They're trying to kill him. I mean, it's got to be one of the most horrible ways to die where you're thrown down in front of a crowd and that crowd throws rocks at you until you are dead. Who knows how long that process could take. But you're talking about a very slow, very painful death. And this is what they, this is what they do to Paul. But here's the thing. At this point, Paul's witness wasn't finished. As a matter of fact, it's, it's only... It's only beginning. And now things get really crazy. Watch this. Look at verse 21 of 14. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. He's been expelled. They've tried to kill him. They finally get him. They stone him to almost death. They throw him out. They leave him for dead. And now, instead of taking the shortcut home, okay, I mean, if you look back at the map, if you look at the map in the back of your Bible, you'll see they could have just continued on east gone into Cilicia, dropped down to Tarsus, which is Paul's hometown, could have gone there to rest, get some of mom's home cooking, 
and then got back on the road continuing on down to Antioch. But they didn't. They turned around and went back. They went back through the same troubled hot spots that they had just left. What kind of faith does a person have to have to do something like that? You know, and I, you ask, why in their right minds, why in their right minds would they return? It says they did this strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The reason why they would turn back is because they believed in something. They believed in something better than anything they had ever experienced or anything that others were experienced. They believed in God. They believed in the resurrected Son. They believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. They believed in the kingdom of God and wanted all to experience the forgiveness of sin and the freedom that was found in Christ. They believed in it so much that they were willing to face persecution and death again. These are guys who literally had skin in the game. They believed in something. And yet, I worry about not saying something to somebody because might get my feelings hurt if they don't want to come to church. I'm a wuss. We can draw encouragement from their life, from their, from their mission. Finally, they finished their journey. Verse 26 says, From there they sailed back to Antioch, the first Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and they spent considerable time, considerable time with the disciples. Now, um, the church that I grew up in, uh, in the Atlanta area, uh, as a kid, you know, we, we, supported, uh, we supported foreign missionaries, and, uh, you know, whenever a, a missionary would, would come home, it was usually, you know, nowadays we bring them off the field to rest more. But back then, it was like always you bring them off, and they're just fundraising, 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 fundraising. And they still do that when they come off. But now we at least kind of give them a, a respite a little more. But it was always, every time you had a missionary, you know, you, that's what you did on the Sunday night church. You'd let the missionary come and give his missionary report. Okay, well this is what they do. They've done this trip. They come back to Antioch. They gather the church together. And we'll just imagine on a Sunday night, Paul stands up to give the, uh, the, uh, the mission report. The mission that they've just spent the last two years of their lives on. And you can imagine that the church is excited to hear from them. 
Because the church was there when the commission was given. The church was there, and there's no reason to think that the church did not continue or didn't, didn't fail to continue prayer and fasting for them while they're out there doing this work. And so they've completed the journey, they've come home, Paul gets up, he gives the mission report, and of course he's got really nice PowerPoint slides, and he puts up and he says, you know, this is where we've been. You see, we started out here at home, we sailed around here to Cyprus, we went up to Antioch, Iconium, we're in Lystra, Derby, and we turned around and we came back. By the way, here's all they had to do to get back. They went back through all of that. Okay, so keep that in mind. And so, you know, he's, he's telling them about, he just sort, I just sort of imagine them telling them about, uh, you know, well, here, here's the map, and he starts kind of breaking it down. He's, yeah, okay, so here's what we did, you know. And in Cyprus, you know, we encountered this sorcerer, and we, we dealt with him, and then there was the, the proconsul and uh, Sergius Paulus, and, you know, he's you know, possibly a convert. Says that, that, you know, he believed. And then we went to, uh, to Perga, and, uh, you know, John Mark, he left us there. Uh, but it's all right. Went to Antioch. First Sabbath was really, really good. They were really excited. They asked us to come back the next Sabbath day, but then the next one they kicked us out of the city. So we went to Iconium. I mean, it was kind of similar to Antioch. Said there they tried to kill us. Not sure what was going on. So we went to Lystra. We healed a lame man, and it was awesome. Except the people thought we were Greek gods, and 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 they tried to stone me. They did stone me and left me for, left me for dead. It's a good trip. Uh, we're taking applications now for the second one. Anybody wants to go, you know. Realistically, it probably went nothing like that. Because what they say is, this is what God did. God opened the doors. As you read through this account, it's, it's really pretty fascinating. It's really pretty fascinating when you think about it. And a lot of the reason that we sit here today is because of this very first trip. Because the gospel begins to spread and eventually it's going to spread into to Europe and all through the globe. But as you as you think about it, as I think about you know, just all the, the persecution that they went through, there are two things from this text that, that really stand out. Think about everything that they have endured. When I think about that, verse 3 comes to mind, that they spoke in reliance on the Lord. And then verse 7, they continued preaching the gospel. In everything that they had endured, in the expulsion from the city and being chased out of town, having to flee a death plot, and then finally they catch them up, they catch up and nearly kill Paul. And then they turn around and went right back through all of that stuff to strengthen the churches they planted there. They had to have a tremendous reliance upon God. Tremendous belief in the power and the message of Jesus and tremendous boldness given to them by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way I think they can do this. 
but yet that's what they do. And so that brings us to our, our community connection. And it's just simply, it's, it's simply that. Rely on God and keep sharing the gospel. You know, we've, that's sort of been the theme for the last few weeks is we've talked about witness and having a strong witness. You know, it's not likely, at least now, right now, that we're going to face anything like they faced. You know, we might face some ridicule. Uh, we might face a little bit of rejection. But when you think about what they went through in order to get this message out, that's really nothing. And so we can draw some strength from this. You know, when we're tempted to, to keep quiet, you know, go back and listen, recount or reread the story of this first missionary journey and see the faith of Paul and Barnabas as they, as they shared the message of good news with people that didn't want to hear it. People that tried to kill them for it. But they knew the message of Jesus had the power to change lives, even if it cost them their own. And eventually it will cost Paul his life. But he believed in it so much that he said, that's fine, I'm willing to die for this message. So as we encounter people, as you encounter people, listen for, for opportunities. You know, as you interact with people, you'll, you'll hear people talking about a, something that's going on at home or at work or with a family member or, or something like that, something bad happened. When you, when you hear those things or people tell you those things, that is an invitation for encouragement, okay? Those are opportunities for you to bring some of the light of Jesus into that situation, to step in and be a, maybe be a peacemaker. Or to help someone find some joy in the midst of just some sort of tragedy or something. You know, there are opportunities all around us. You don't have to, to stand up and preach. You know, you don't necessarily have to just lead a Bible study. Just be Jesus to people you come in contact with. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's hurting people all over the place. I mean, seen the two suicides this week, right? Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, you know? And how many countless others whose names we don't know? There are people hurting all over the world who need this message, who need somebody, just maybe just waiting for somebody to speak a word of hope to them. We need to be those people. But, if we don't rely on God, we, can't keep, we won't keep sharing the gospel. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Rely on God. Listen for opportunities and speak light into darkness. Let's pray. God, thank you for...